0: This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday, 10 to 2, on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app.
1: Well, it is Christmas time. and We've got a wonderful Christmas tradition here on the Simi Sarah Show as we celebrate the holidays with some Christmas stories. So we're going to begin our series this year with our own Linda Steele. And here she is reading The Holy Night.
0: Hey there, I'm Linda Steele, and I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. I'm going to be reading you a story today called The Holy Night by Selma Lagerlof. There was a man who went out into the dark night to borrow live coals to kindle a fire. He went from hut to hut and knocked. Dear friends, help me, said he. My wife has just given birth to a child, and I must make a fire to warm her and the little one. But it was way in the night, and all the people were asleep. No one replied. So the man walked, and he walked, and at last he saw the gleam of a fire a long way in the distance. Then he went in that direction, and he saw that the fire was actually burning in the open. A lot of sheep were sleeping around the fire, and an old shepherd sat and watched over the flock. When the man who wanted to borrow fire came up to the sheep, he saw that three big dogs lay asleep at the shepherd's feet. All three awoke when the man approached and opened their great jaws as though they wanted to bark but not a sound was heard. The man noticed that the hair on their back stood up and that their sharp white teeth glistened in the firelight. They dashed toward him. He felt that one of them bit at his leg and one at his hand and then one clung to his throat, but their jaws and their teeth wouldn't obey them and the man didn't suffer the least harm. Now the man wished to go further to get what he needed, but the sheep lay back to back and so close to one another that he couldn't pass them. Then the men stepped over their backs and walked over them and up to the fire. And not one of the animals awoke or even moved. When the man had almost reached the fire, the shepherd looked up. He was a surly old man who was unfriendly and harsh toward human beings. And when he saw the strange man coming, he seized the long spiked staff, which he always held in his hand when he tended his flock, and he threw it at the man. The staff came right toward the man, but before it reached him, it turned off to one side and whizzed past him far out into the meadow. Now the man came up to the shepherd and said to him, Good man, help me and lend me a little fire. My wife has just given birth to a child, and I must make a fire to warm her and the little one. Now the shepherd would rather have said no, but when he pondered that the dogs couldn't hurt the man, and the sheep had not run from him, and that the staff had not wished to strike him, well, he was a little afraid, and dared not deny the man that which he asked. Take as much as you need, he said to the man. But then the fire was nearly burnt out. There were no logs or branches left, only a big heap of live coals, and the stranger had neither spade nor shovel wherein he could carry the red-hot coals. When the shepherd saw this, he said again, Take as much as you need, and he was glad that the man actually wouldn't be able to take away any coals. But the man stopped, and he picked coals from the ashes with his bare hands, and he laid them in his mantle. And he didn't burn his hands when he touched them, nor did the coals scorch his mantle, but he carried them away as if they had been simple nuts or apples. And when the shepherd who was such a cruel and hard-hearted man saw all this, he began to wonder to himself, What kind of a night is this when the dogs do not bite, the sheep are not scared, the staff does not kill, or the fire scorch? He called the stranger back, and he said to him, What kind of a night is this? And how does it happen that all things show you compassion? Then said the man, I cannot tell you if you yourself do not see it. And he wished to go his way that he might soon make a fire and warm his wife and child. But the shepherd did not wish to lose sight of the man before he had found out what all this might portend. So he got up and followed the man until they came to the place where he lived. Then the shepherd saw the man didn't have so much as a hut to dwell in, but that his wife and babe were lying in a mountain grotto where there was nothing except the cold and naked stone walls. But the shepherd thought that perhaps the poor innocent child might freeze to death there in the grotto. And although he was a hard man, he was touched and thought he would like to help it. And he loosened the knapsack from his shoulder, took from it a soft white sheepskin, gave it to the strange man, and said that he should let the child sleep on it. But just as soon as he showed that he, too, could be merciful, his eyes were opened, and he saw what he had not been able to see before, and he heard what he could not have heard before. He saw that all around him stood a ring of little silver-winged angels, and each held a stringed instrument. And all sang in loud tones that tonight the Savior was born who should redeem the world from its sins. And then he understood how all things were so happy this night that they didn't want to do anything wrong. And it was not only around the shepherd that there were angels, but he saw them everywhere. They sat inside the grotto. They sat outside on the mountain and they flew under the heavens They came marching in great companies, and as they passed, they paused and cast a glance at the child. There was such jubilation and such gladness and songs and play, and all this he saw in the dark night, whereas before he could not have made out anything. He was so happy because his eyes had been opened that he fell upon his knees and he thanked God. What that shepherd saw, we might also see, for the angels fly down from heaven every Christmas Eve, if we could only see them. You must remember this, for it is as true, as true as that I see you and you see me. It is not revealed by the light of lamps or candles, and it does not depend upon sun and moon. But that which is needful is that we have such eyes as can see God's glory.
1: It is a Christmas tradition here on the show as we celebrate the holidays with some Christmas stories. And you're going to hear a few today, and we'll have some more for you tomorrow as our friends here at the show uh, bring you some classic Christmas stories. Now, earlier in the show, you heard Linda Steele read the classic Christmas story, The Holy Night. Now it's time for Vikram Vidge, of course, famous for Vidge's restaurant here in Vancouver. And here's Vikram with the snowman's tale.
2: Namaste, everyone. I'm Vikram Vidge, from our kitchens to your palates. Happy holidays. Today I'll be reading Snowman at Christmas. On Christmas Eve, I made a snowman. Very fat and jolly. I dressed him up in red and green and trimmed his hat in holly. I saw his arms were trembling as if he couldn't wait. It made me start to wonder, how do snowmen celebrate? I think while I'm snug in bed, dreaming of Christmas treats, the merry snowman slip away and hurry through the streets. They glide down the snowy avenues with lamplights all aglow. The sleepy city blanketed in freshly fallen snow. They pass by top shop windows framed with twinkling lights, pausing for a peek or two at holiday delights. The jolly snowmen gather from everywhere around for a Christmas party in the center of town. Waving to each other, they call out cheery greetings, all their friends and family so happy to be meeting. A few merry snowmen start trimming the square. Soon holly and icicles are strung everywhere, and then reaching high for everyone to see they hang big balls of snow on a big Christmas tree. The snow children play freeze tag or Red Rover of climbing a stack till they wobble right over. Their mothers lay out all kinds of cold treats, ice creams and snow cones, and dainty iced sweets. Then the dancing begins to the tune of a fiddle. All the snowmen line up and sashay down the middle. Someone says, Hush! Could that be a jingle? Then over the hill glides the snowman, Chris Kringle. He opens his sack with a jolly. Ho ho ho, and pulls out their presents, each made out of snow. Santa sips his cacao, and the reindeer romp and play, and then with a whistle, they're off on their way. Such fun snowmen have. There's still one more thing. Hearts full of joy, they hold hands and then they sing. While the fiddler plays and sweet silver bells ring, they sing songs about snow and a birth of a king. The children are sleepy and the grown ups are yawning. The snowmen go home just as Christmas is dawning. They're all back in their places. When Christmas Day starts, but these folks made of snow have a beautiful glow in their heart. Their smiles are more tender, their eyes softly shine as the snowman dream, dream of their Christmas time.
1: You got Christmas Eve, right? It's tomorrow. And the day before Christmas Eve is Christmas Eve Eve. That's today. Yesterday was Christmas Eve Eve Eve. Used to do that when I was a kid. Probably every kid did that. So here we go with our Christmas Eve Eve show. And it's a Christmas tradition here at the show. As we celebrate the holidays, we got Christmas stories for you. So let's continue that now with our own Simmy Sarah as she reads The Polar Express.
3: On Christmas Eve many years ago, I lay quietly in my bed. I did not rustle the sheets. I breathed slowly and silently. I was listening for a sound. A sound a friend had told me I would never hear, the ringing bells of Santa's sleigh. There is no Santa, my friend had insisted, but I knew he was wrong. Late that night, I did hear sounds, though not of ringing bells. From outside came the sounds of hissing steam and squeaking metal. I looked through my window and saw a train standing perfectly still in front of my house. It was wrapped in an apron of steam. Snowflakes fell lightly around it. A conductor stood at the open door of one of the cars. He took a large pocket watch from his vest and then looked up at my window. I put on my slippers and robe. I tiptoed downstairs and out the door. All aboard, the conductor cried out. I ran up to him. "'Well,' he said, "'are you coming?' "'Where?' I asked. "'Why, to the North Pole, of course,' was his answer. "'This is the Polar Express.' I took his outstretched hand, and he pulled me aboard. The train was filled with other children, all in their pyjamas and nightgowns. We sang Christmas carols and ate candies with nougat centres as white as snow.' We drank hot chocolate as thick and rich as melted chocolate bars. Outside, the lights of towns and villages flickered in the distance as the Polar Express raced northward. Soon, there were no more lights to be seen. We travelled through cold, dark forests where lean wolves roamed and white-tailed rabbits hid from our train as it thundered through the quiet wilderness. We climbed mountains so high, it seemed as if we would scrape the moon, but the Polar Express never slowed down. Faster and faster we ran along, rolling over peaks and through valleys like a car on a roller coaster. The mountains turned into hills, the hills to snow-covered plains. We crossed a barren desert of ice, the Great Polar Ice Cap. Lights appeared in the distance. They looked like the lights of a strange ocean liner sailing on a frozen sea. There, said the conductor, is the North Pole. The North Pole. It was a huge city, standing alone at the top of the world, filled with factories where every Christmas toy was made. At first, we saw no elves. They're gathering at the center of the city, the conductor told us. That is where Santa will give the first gift of Christmas. Well, who gives the first gift, we all asked. The conductor answered, he will choose one of you. Look, shouted one of the children, the elves! Outside we saw hundreds of elves. As our train drew closer to the center of the North Pole, we slowed to a crawl. So crowded were the streets with Santa's helpers. When the Polar Express could go no farther, we stopped. And the conductor led us outside. We pressed through the crowd to the edge of a large open circle. And in front of us stood Santa's sleigh. The reindeer were excited. They pranced and paced ringing the silver sleigh bells that hung from their harnesses. It was a magical sound, like nothing I'd ever heard. Across the circle, the elves moved apart, and Santa Claus appeared. The elves cheered wildly. He marched over to us, and pointing to me, said, "'Let's have this fellow here.' He jumped into his sleigh. The conductor handed me up. I sat on Santa's knee, and he asked, "'Now, what would you like for Christmas?' I knew that I could have any gift I could imagine. But the thing I wanted most for Christmas was not inside Santa's giant bag. What I wanted more than anything was one silver bell from Santa's sleigh. When I asked, Santa smiled. Then he gave me a hug and told an elf to cut a bell from a reindeer's harness. The elf tossed it up to Santa. He stood holding the bell high above him and called out, "'The first gift of Christmas!' The clock struck midnight as the elves roared their approval. Santa handed the bell to me and I put it in my bathrobe pocket. The conductor helped me down from the sleigh. Santa shouted out the reindeer's names and cracked his whip. His team charged forward and climbed into the air. Santa circled once above us, then disappeared in the cold, dark polar sky. As soon as we were back inside the Polar Express, the other children asked to see the bell. I reached into my pocket, but the only thing I felt was a hole. I had lost the silver bell from Santa Claus's sleigh. Let's hurry outside and look for it, one of the children said. But the train gave a sudden lurch and started moving. We were on our way home. It broke my heart to lose the bell. When the train reached my house, I sadly left the other children. I stood at my doorway and waved goodbye. The conductor said something from the moving train, but I couldn't hear him. What? I yelled out. He cupped his hands around his mouth. Merry Christmas! he shouted. The Polar Express let out a loud blast from its whistle and sped away. On Christmas morning, my little sister Sarah and I opened our presents. When it looked as if everything had been unwrapped, Sarah found one last small box behind the tree. It had my name on it. Inside was the silver bell, there was a note found this on the seat of my sleigh. Fix that hole in your pocket. Signed, Mr. C. I shook the bell. It made the most beautiful sound my sister and I had ever heard. But my mother said, oh, that's too bad. Yes, said my father, it's broken. When I'd shaken that bell, my parents had not heard a sound. One time, most of my friends could hear the bell, but as years passed, it fell silent for all of them. Even Sarah found one Christmas that she could no longer hear its sweet sound. Though I've grown old, the bell still rings for me, as it does for all who truly believe.
1: Nice job there by Simi, that's our own Simi Sarah, of course, reading The Polar Express as we continue with the Christmas tradition here on the show.